0: Mm. I'm going to go ahead and get into the word Is that all right? And I'm going to do something that I don't normally do I'm going to let you be seated Because some of y'all are saying We've been standing up a long time But just because you're seated Don't, don't, don't Just because you're resting Don't let your spirit rest Because God's going to do something in you today Me, tell you this little short story and then we'll get into the word. When I was about 13 years old, how many of you know 13 year olds? How many of you have teenagers? That's all I need to say. As a 13 year old, my father had a sports car, and anytime my dad would leave during the summer months and I was at home from school and he's at work or whatever. I would go out and sit in this sports car, Anthony. And I'd roll the windows down. You know how we 13-year-olds would do? Sit back, you know, boom, boom, boom. Nothing even turned on, just rocking it like we know what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? And then one day I found the spare key. Oh, yeah yeah I mean, oh yeah, and so you know how you used to be able to put the key in the ignition and, and switch it backwards and you can listen to the radio? Oh, that was me. Just listen cranked all up you know and then one day I had the courage to instead of turning the key backwards in the ignition to turn it forward. Boom. Boom something came over me, I had to drive that car. It was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so, I began to terrorize the neighborhood, round and around and around and around, oh yeah, barely could see over the steering wheel, you know what I'm saying? It looked like I was low riding, but I just barely could see over you know point that I'm trying to make is, is this uh, this has a spiritual connotation I promise the key listen the ability of the car to move forward the capability of the car to, to move it, it's, it, it's always there but it goes unrealized until you put the key in the ignition and turn it on you see when you put the key in the ignition the power that is under the hood can be unleashed to do what it's supposed to do without the key it's no good you know what I'm saying remember that we're going to come back to it now take your bibles and turn with me to mark chapter 4 praise the lord I'm gonna preach to y'all today y'all are excited mark chapter 4 verses 1 through 20 I'm gonna read to you some things but before I get started let me just say this going to give you a word today. We're not in a series. This is a standalone message next week. The Lord willing, we'll get back into a series. But today I want to preach to you a message that God placed within my spirit several weeks ago when I was preaching a message and the Holy Spirit dropped something into my spirit. A- a- and today I want to preach around that thought. That thought sounded something like, like this, that the, the, the quantity of the harvest has nothing to do with the quality of the seed rather the quantity of the harvest is directly proportionate to the. grab that that's a lot it's a mouthful i can't say it again in other words the seed is always good the seed is always perfect but the soil determines the outcome hello keep that thought. Now what I want to do is I want to take you to, before we get into the narrative in Mark chapter 4, I want to take you to a a, a book that is only one chapter long, Philemon, that Paul wrote. And I want to read to you a verse in scripture that will set the course of our conversation today. In fact, what I want to do is I want to take this one verse, chapter 1 verse 6, there's only one chapter in Philemon, take this one verse and I want to marry it up to Mark chapter 4 verses 1 through 20. Now, let me say this. I'm going to read from two different translations today, two that I don't normally use. However, I feel like these translations convey the message that we are going for today in a beautiful way. And so here is what Paul writes to Philemon in chapter one, verse six, he says that the communication of thy faith, some of your translations say, see that the communication of your faith. Hold on a second. I need you to grab that. See that the communication of your faith. How many of you know we're supposed to communicate about our faith? There is a process called sharing your faith. When God does something in you, it's not just for you. It's in hopes that he can do a work through you. Our faith does not end once God does something in us. Our faith is where, That is where our faith begins so that God can do something through us. Are you with me? There is a concept called sharing your faith. He says, see that the communication of your faith may become effectual. Hold on a second. Some of your translations say, see that the communication of your faith become effective. But then he goes one step further and he says, by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus. Hold on a second. By acknowledging every good thing that is in you through Christ jesus first he says communicate about your faith so that it becomes effective then he says and acknowledge everything that is in you so there is this david there is this communication emphasis say to others say to yourself communicate to others communicate to yourself say to others say tell others tell yourself say to others say to yourself somebody look at your neighbor and give to them the title of today's message say it again look at somebody else and say say it again touch three people and say say it again so here's what's cool what what Paul yeah, say it again what Paul what Paul is doing is he's giving in Philemon this instruction manual really in one verse telling us how our faith is supposed to operate while at the same time giving us the minds under he's saying to communicate your faith and he says be sure that you communicate your faith in order for it to be effective let me let you hear this again that the communication of thy faith may become effective but then he says, but acknowledge. So he's setting up how our faith is supposed to look, and he's giving us the mindset, how we're supposed to talk to ourselves. But here lies the problem. When it comes to sharing our faith, we're not always so good. And one of the reasons why we're not always so good is because the mindset that we've adopted. The mindset that we have adopted causes us sometimes not to share our faith because rather than sharing our faith and everything that God has done in us and to us and for us, our minds begin to talk about everything that is wrong with us, everything that is broken about us. And so when we begin to, to think about everything that is, in other words, everything that we are saying to ourselves again and again and again tends to dictate what we are saying to others how we're living our lives. Let me go one step further. This past week, Ian and I were having a faith conversation about how children have like a childlike faith. And they're like, oh, God can do anything. And we were talking about what happens to that in adults. As we get older, it seems like that erodes away. God can do anything, and that tends to erode away because of life or because of this or because of that, because of this tragedy. We're no longer saying God can do anything. And so our faith tends to erode away. And the problem is that the the seed, if you will, becomes unproductive in our lives or, or really the soil becomes unproductive because of the happenings of life. But hold on a second. Let me be honest with you. It's not the happenings of life that cause the soil to be unproductive. It's what we are telling ourselves about the happenings of life that cause the soil to be unproductive because we're communicating something God has established his word over our lives but our words tend to contradict everything that he has said about us and declared over us and we're saying something that opposes everything that he has said about us and declared over our lives and we're wondering why we don't have a harvest breaking out in our lives that's where Jesus is at in the main narrative Mark chapter 4 verses 1 through 20 He's preaching all around this Before we ever get into it I need to say this I hear the sound of breakthrough in this place today I hear the sound of victory in this place today I hear that sound You know why? Because I believe some of you are about to change what you're saying And when your words begin to match up And align with His word Things are going to begin to break through in your life You're going to walk into breakthrough Walk into victory Walk into healing Somebody shout, say it again So, thank you, D. Let me read to you the narrative, Mark chapter 4. Let me switch over to Mark chapter 4. I want to read to you out of the message translation because I believe the way Eugene Peterson captures this story is absolutely in line with where we're going today. Is it okay if I preach some... And then, then, then read some. Or is it okay if I read some and then preach some? Is that all right? Well, that's what you're getting anyway. I'm just telling <laughs> here, here, here here's, 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 here's what his word says. He says, he went back to teaching by the sea. A crowd grabbed this visual image. A crowd built up to such a great size that he had to get into an offshore boat Using the boat as a pulpit, as the people pushed to the water's edge, he taught by using stories, many stories. That's what Mark says. He taught by using stories. Can you visualize this with me for a moment? Here is Jesus. He's on the seashore. And there's so many people who are so hungry for his word that he has to use the boat as a pulpit and he pushes offshore. Can you imagine the acoustics that were there? when the voice of the Lord began to reverberate so that everyone could hear him. And what I really love is that you know how we are. It's like everything has to be convenient and comfortable. And these people are pushing right up to the edge of the shore. And, and, and the water's coming up on their ankles and crashing on shore. And he's preaching this message. And it's all beautiful. And it's just incredible. But you don't see anybody in the story saying, Jesus, let's go back up the hill because there's A.C. in the church. And it's, it's hot down here. You know how we are. You don't see anybody in the story. Mark tells you everything. I mean, he gives you such description. You don't see anybody in the story slapping at mosquitoes. Come on now, there's too many mosquitoes down here. Let's go back up uh, up to the church. You don't see any of that. What you see is this incredible hunger for God. Now watch. Verses 3, it says, listen, what do you make of this? A farmer planted seed. Somebody say seed. As he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road and birds ate it. Hold on a second. I'm not going to read any further because some of your translations call this parable the parable of the sower. But some of your translations call it also the parable of the soil. Grab this. It says, as he scattered the seed. Some of it fell on the road and the birds ate it. Some of it fell in the gravel and it sprouted quickly, but it didn't put, up, put down any roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. Some fell in the weeds as, as it came up. It was strangled among the weeds and nothing came of it. Some fell on the good earth and came up with a flourish, producing a harvest exceeding his wildest dreams. How many of you want that kind of harvest in your life? But then... Verse 9, Jesus asks a rhetorical question. He says, are you listening to this? Are you really, really listening? Are you listening to this? Are, Are you really, really listening? He's talking about when the condition of the soil is right, the seed that is planted in it will bring forth a harvest. Understand this. What he's saying to us is that the difference maker is not... The seed, the difference maker, is the soil. Oh, the seed is always perfect. It's the soil that brings forth that harvest that is mind-blowing. But you have to grab this because the disciples are all hanging out and all the people are hanging out, but they didn't quite understand what he was saying. They didn't understand what he meant. So here's what they said in verses 10 and following. It says, when they were off by themselves, those who were close to him, along with the twelve, asked about the stories that he told them. And You've been given insight, he said, into God's kingdom. You know how it works, but to those who can't see it yet, everything comes in stories, creating readiness, nudging them toward receptive insight. These are people whose eyes are not open but don't see a thing, whose ears are are, are open but, but don't understand. understand a word, who who, who avoid making an about face and getting forgiven. Hold on a second. So the disciples are walking along with Jesus. They're going to the next place. As they're walking with Jesus, they're like, (laughs) J.C., we didn't get what you were just talking about. I mean, it was like way over our head. I mean, we didn't get it. We didn't understand it. What do you mean? We, we did, Listen, Jesus, can you say it again? Everybody say, say it again. say it again. Can you say it again? But this time, can you slow down a little bit so that we understand it? You see, Jesus was this incredible communicator. He would use stories and parables to convey the message. And he would, as he's telling this story, the parable, if you will, would become this figurative Door. This doorway where the audience is on the other side of the door, and and they're listening to the message. And if they're interested in the message, they come through the door. If they're not interested in the message, they stay outside of the doorway. But those who come through the doorway always want to know more. What does it mean for them? But yet, the Bible says that they didn't understand In other words, if the farmer was there and he's hearing Jesus talk about the seed, the farmer is thinking to himself, okay, then I think what Jesus means is I've got to be careful as to how I scatter my seed. If the politician is there, he's thinking, okay, I think what Jesus is talking about is a government subsidy program. If the news agency is there, they're going to say, okay, we've got to focus on the overpopulation of birds, which is destroying the harvest. Fake news. I ain't saying it again she said say it again if there was an entrepreneur there he was thinking okay how can I develop a fertilizer that will cause the seed to produce in whatever soil that it's planted in they didn't understand this they didn't understand it so in verse 13 look he says he continued he said do you see how this story works all of my stories work this way What he was saying is, if you think the seed represents money, you'll miss it. If you think the seed represents love, you'll miss it. If you think the seed represents healing, you'll miss it. If you think the seed represents success, you will miss it. Because he tells us what the seed represents in verse 14. The farmer plants the what? The farmer plants the word. Hold on a second. Some people are like the seed that falls on the hardened soil of the road. No sooner do they hear the word that Satan snatches it away than what has been planted in them. Mm, hold on a second. The farmer plants the word. He's telling us now the seed is not money, it's not success, it's not healing, it's not breakthrough. The seed is his word. Hold on a second. You see, some of you are hoping for a harvest in your life, but the word hasn't been planted in the soil that will bring about the harvest. You're hoping for a harvest in your life, but the soil is not conducive to bring the harvest. Harvest. Some of you are strategizing your way to God. You're thinking about strategies, calculations, variables, formulas. How can I get closer to God using strategy? You're thinking, okay, if I go to work earlier today, my boss will see that I'm there early. He'll see how important I am. And then maybe he'll give me a pay raise based upon my efforts. And therefore, I'll have a harvest in my finances. And then you're thinking, well, maybe if I post something on Facebook today about Jesus and how awesome that he is... Maybe he'll bring me a a harvest in that area. And so you're strategizing and you're doing all of these things. Can I tell you something? You cannot get to God alone through strategy because God is spirit. And when he is spirit, you've got to open up your hearts, your hands, and your voices unto him so that he can work the soil of your life. Verse 16. And 17 says, and some are like the seed that lands in the gravel. When they first hear the word, they respond with great enthusiasm. But there is such shallow soil of character that when the emotions wear off, some difficulty arises. There is nothing to show for it. Mm, Hold on a second. So their emotions are high, but then life happens and begins to erode away their faith. So Jesus says this, look look at verses 18 and 19, the seed that's cast in the weeds represents the ones who hear the kingdom news but are overwhelmed with worries. Some of your Bibles say that are overwhelmed with the care of this world. Mm, Hold on a second. Because they have to do this and all the things that they wanna get, the stress strangles what they heard And nothing comes of it. Nothing comes of of it. Hold on a second. It says that they're overwhelmed with the worries of this world. We'll come back to that. But then he says all of the things you have to do, all of the things you want to get. What Jesus is now doing is he's addressing very specifically the soil. And you've planted all of these other things in the soil and you can't figure out why the soil is not breaking forth with a harvest. Because there's no room left for the seed that he placed within you to grow because everything else is robbing the nutrients of the soil. You with me? In other words, how many of you have gone to sleep at night and you get seven hours of sleep and you wake up and you're still tired? You're like, oh gosh, I got to go to work. Oh, I got to go to work. And you're on edge, you're aggravated, you're agitated, and you go to work, and everybody just gets on your nerves. Somebody say nerves. nerves. Everybody getting on your nerves. Just like, man, come on, you're all over me. You're all in my space. Listen, you do you, I'll do me. You do you, I'll do me. The problem is, you doing you is a problem for me. <laughs> so you know how it is. You just don't. And listen, and, 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 and everything that you try doesn't seem to work, and you're worn out with it. And it could be because all of the areas in the soil are already planted with all of this stuff that you're trying to fill it with. And somebody needs to hear this because God wants you to know that he's the only one who can fill you up. Mm. He's the only one who can bring to you a heavenly harvest. Fill me up till I overflow. I want to run over I want to run over, fill me up, till I overflow, I want to, I want to run over, help me sing, fill me up, till I overflow, I want to run over, I want to run, oh, sing it one more time. Fill me up till I overflow. I want to run, oh, he wants you to know he's the only one that can fill you. He even says so in the next verse. Look at verse 20. Verse 20, it says, but the seed planted in the good earth. It represents those who hear the word, embrace it, everybody say and embrace it, and produce a harvest beyond their wildest dream embrace it. They embrace it. What he's saying is everything that you see is the result of his word. Everything that you see is the result of his spoken word. Everything that you see is a result, Marguerite, of what he said. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and darkness hovered over the surface of the deep and his spirit hovered over the surface of the water. And he said, let there be light and light appeared. And he he continued that throughout the whole creation process. Even in John chapter 1, it says, And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And everything that was made was made by Him, and nothing that has been made was made without Him. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Everything that you see is the result of what He said. Therefore, the seed is perfect. So if there's not a harvest in your life, it could be because of the condition of the soil that it's planted in. Let's talk about that. Because could it be that something that we are saying is keeping us from realizing what he said? Could it be that something that we are saying is keeping us from realizing what he said? Think back. Life tends to erode away our faith as we're on the journey. It just erodes away at our faith. But it's not what happens in life that erodes away at our faith. It's what we tell ourselves about what's happening in life that erodes away at our faith. I wrote this down. Grab this. The truth about who you are in Christ is the key to your victory. Think about it. The truth about who you are in Christ is the key to your victory. And some of you, let's just be honest, some of you are absolutely critical about yourself. You criticize yourself every day. You criticize your appearance, you're critical of your weight, you're critical of your height, you're critical of your intelligence, you're critical of your talents, you're critical of your skills, you're critical uh, of your job, you're critical of your kids, you're critical of all of these things. Every day you put yourself down. Every day you beat yourself up. Every day you say something about yourself that contradicts the very things that God has spoken into you. The very seed that he's planted in the soil of your heart. And that is why Paul wrote Philemon chapter 1 verse 6 when he said to make sure that the faith, your faith is communicated in such a way that it becomes effective so that you acknowledge everything that is in you through Christ Jesus. I did some research on this verse. Can I teach for a minute? When he says to make sure that your faith, the communication of your faith, would be effective. The word effective, you ought to circle it in your Bibles. The word effective in the original form in the Greek carries with it an incredible deep meaning. What Paul is saying to us, the reader, is that God has a plan for you, that he's with you, that he's for you, he has a plan for you. He has a desire to bring harvest into your life, but that harvest can only be activated by you. Some of you are like, huh? Well, let me tell you why. The word effective, be sure that the communication of your faith is effective. The word effective is the Greek word inertio. Inertio is where we get our word energy. However, it carries with it a deeper meaning. Inertio actually means to be energized, to be activated. So in other words, Paul's words could be rendered to make sure that the communication of your faith is energized and activated. Hold on a second. How can I illustrate this? Let me take you back to my dad's car. I told you I was going somewhere with this. So as I have the courage to take the key put it in the ignition, turned the ignition, begin to drive around my neighborhood, terrorizing the neighborhood. Finally, I came to the realization as a 13 year old that that car didn't do me no good sitting in the driveway. But the moment I put the key in the ignition and turned the ignition, the potential that was under the hood could now be realized. Hold on a second. The car always had the capability of moving, but its potential couldn't be realized until the key was placed in the ignition and the ignition was turned. What's the spiritual application? Hang here with me. What Paul is saying is that God, under the hood of your life, in the soil has placed some things in the soil that needs to be energized and activated. Things like he redeemed you. Things like he healed you. Things like he set you free. Things like that you're an overcomer. Things like that he, he forgave you. Things like he, he, he saved you. Things like he gave you joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. Things like grace that have been poured out in your life, even when you didn't deserve that grace to be poured out in your life. All of those things have been placed under the hood of your heart, if you will. They've been placed there waiting upon you to activate and energize those things. Think about all of the good things that God has done in your life. Think about it. I mean, right now, if you were just to think back on all of the things... The seeds that have been sown into your life, that have been planted in the soil of your heart throughout the years. Let me tell you something. There is no expiration date to the seed in the Word of God. He might have said it to you dozens of years ago, but it's just as true today as it was then. Are you with me? Think about that. Think, think. Hold on a second. But maybe you're saying, well, hold on a second, Pastor Mark. I mean, I don't, I don't... Feel, I know the word says I'm healed, but I, I feel sick. I know the word says that joy is mine, but to be honest with you, I'm discouraged. I, 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 I'm, I'm lonely. I, I'm worn out. I, 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 I'm broken. I, I'm, I'm, I'm aggravated. I'm agitated. I'm, I'm all of these other things. Listen, those are the cares, the worries of this world that Jesus was talking about in Mark chapter 4. So, hold on a second. I need you to grab this. I I, I wrote something down. I I don't want to miss this. You see, you have the key, but the key doesn't do you any good until you activate it. Hold on a second. I need you to stay with me. You have the key. I'm walking out of the house with the key. Oh, yeah. And finally, I realized that this car has more than a radio. And the moment that I turn the key There is some, something that happens between the ignition and the engine. And the engine fires. It's now been activated. Uh, Hold on a second. What good is the key if you don't turn the ignition? Somebody say, well, how do you turn the ignition? Somebody say, how do you turn the ignition? Y'all going to participate or not? I'm glad y'all asked that question because this is where it gets really good. Paul said, to be sure that the communication of your faith is effective, what we're saying to others, and acknowledge every good thing that is in you through Christ Jesus, what we're saying to ourselves. Hold on a second. The word acknowledge in the Greek is the word epignosis. Epignosis. You probably don't care about that, but you do care about the meaning. It means to have a deep knowledge of the facts. Grab it. To have a deep knowledge of the facts. Hold on a second. Uh, Inertio means to energize and activate. Acknowledge, epignosis, means to have a deep knowledge of the facts. How do we have a deep knowledge of the facts? What is he talking about? He's talking about have a deep knowledge of the word of God that has been spoken over your life so that you will no longer use the lesser word that has dictated your steps, but now you'll use the greater word because God has spoken something over your life. Are you with me? He says have a deep knowledge of the word of God. Epignosis. You have to take this word and work it into the soil of your heart, into the soil of your mind, into the soil of your spirit. What good is the key if the key is not placed in the ignition? And what good is the ignition if you don't turn it? Hold on a second. Paul is saying to us, when you put these words together, Paul is saying his word in your life does no good until it is spoken. It's when you speak his word that what's on the inside of you is energized and activated. It's when you begin to speak his word, when what comes out of your mouth begins to match what he said over your life. There is something that happens between the ignition and between what he placed in your heart. Something supernatural takes place, and that's when the harvest begins to be realized in your life. What you need to understand is some of you are using negative words over yourself, words that God did not declare over your life, and you're wondering why you do not have the harvest that his word says is yours. What you need to realize is that the key is his word and the ignition is your mouth And when you begin to release from your mouth the very word that is written about you That's when things are going to take place So if God's word says you're healed, then you say it If God's word says you're going to have breakthrough, then say it If God's word says you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, then say it If God's word says that he'll give you a peace that surpasses all understanding, then say it And then say it again and then say it again, 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 and then say it again. Is somebody going to get on your feet and help me say it again? When you begin to allow your words to match His word, what He declared over your life, that's when the harvest begins to blow your mind and I don't know who this is for but somebody in this place you've given up on the seed the word that God placed within you but you need to remember that his word will not return void and the promise that he made then is the promise that he can keep today grab hold with every head bowed and every eye closed